Okay, so let's learn. So you have to get ready for Pesach a little bit. Uh, you know, Pesach is called, we say it's in davening, it's mancher esenu. It's the time of our gula. Uh, in davening, we talk about Pesach as a time where the Rav took us out of Mitzrayim, l'cheres oilam, for an eternal, an eternal freedom. Which means that Pesach shouldn't just be seen as a day or a, or a week that we celebrate our redemption from Mitzrayim. Pesach has to be seen, and Yitzis Mitzrayim b'chalal, has to be seen as the seed that contains within it all gula, and the ultimate gula of the coming of Mashiach is all rooted in Yitzhiyat Mitzrayim. The Seder night ends with, you know, Koshel Yo and Shvay Hamas Chalagoyim, and the second half of Halal, which is all a celebration of gula, of Mashiach. And so the Seder night in particular is going to contain within it sort of major, you know, very important um, points that we have to sort of absorb and to realize when it comes to our relationship with Gula, with Golas and Gula, and how Golas and Gula play off each other and how they relate to each other. So let's investigate that for a little bit through the lens of the Seder. You know, Pesach night, as we know, so there's a mitzvah of eating matzah, there's a mitzvah of eating mar, uh, Karim Pesach, when there was a Beis Megdash. And there's also a mitzvah of Sipri Tzis Mitzrayim, of talking about the Exodus, of talking about the Gula, talking about Pesach. So there's an interesting, uh, you know, opinion of the Rishonim that sort of begins to sort of bring those two mitzvahs together. Uh, we say in the Haggadah that Matzah Zu Sha'anu Oichem Loshomar, Rabbi Gamliel Ha'yoymer, Rabbi Gamliel used to say, Kol Shalayam Roshleshet Tvar Malol B'Pesach, Anyone that doesn't say these three ideas has not fully fulfilled the mitzvah of Pesach night. What are the three ideas? That matzah zush and oichlem, that this matzah that we eat, al shoma, why do we eat it? So, because uh, we didn't have time for, to make matzahs, uh, to make uh, chametz as we left Mitzrayim and so on, as we know. Mar is zesh and oichlem shoma, Pesach zesh and oichlem shoma. So, to eat matzah and mar, Pesach matzah and mar, and to explain why. So the question that we're trying to deal with is that what mitzvah is Rav Gamliel referring to that if I don't say this, I'm not fulfilling properly. So there are Rishonim that say that he's referring to the mitzvah of Sibri Tzitzvah Shrayim, of talking about Pesach night, of talking about the Exodus. So if you don't talk about these particular details, you're not filling the mitzvah properly. But a number of Rishonim hold not like that. A number of Rishonim hold that what Gamliel is trying to say is that if you don't explain why you're eating matzah, then you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah of eating matzah completely. Even if you ate the matzah, but the mitzvah of eating matzah is to eat it and to understand what you're eating and why you're eating it. Same thing with Mar and the same thing with Karb Pesach. If you don't speak about these things and explain why you're eating it, you haven't fulfilled in, in, in full the mitzvah of eating these things. It's a chiddush, but never shall say that. Now this already opens up a very interesting idea, which is we know that there are situations where the Torah tells us to eat certain foods, uh, and most of those halachas are only applicable with Beis Hamikdash, eating chum and kachim and so on. But this is a unique situation where the mitzvah the Torah tells us to eat matzah, Torah tells us to eat mar and so on. But for some reason, Chazal understood that the only way that you can say that we're fulfilling the mitzvah properly is if not just you eat it, but you have to explain why you're eating it to understand, to have an understanding and awareness of what you're eating and why you're eating it. So the question is, Halidovarhu, that's something that's luchar, something that's unique to Pesach. It, tell, it must be telling us something about Yitzhak Mitzrayim and about Gul in general. 
So let's understand that. Let's, let's investigate for a few minutes the sugi of eating, the halachas of eating, and we'll see where that takes us in terms of Pesach. Okay, so we'll begin like this. There's a, there's a Gemara in Brachas. Okay, there's a Gemara in Brachas. The Gemara says, Samach Aleph on The Gemara says, Am Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman said, Menoyach Am Ha'aretzaya. Menoyach, he's one of these people in Tanakh that we don't necessarily pay much attention to, unfortunately. Menoyach was the father of Shimshon Agibar. Shimshon was the first Mashiach prototype, in fact. He was the, you know, when, when Yaakov Vino was giving a bracha to Sheva Dan, and he foresees in the future the Shaifet, the judge of Shimshon Agibar coming out of Sheva Dan, he hopes and prays that he's going to be Mashiach. And only when he sees future in the in the dis, in the more distant future that Shimshon does not work out to be Mashiach. So he says, Hashem. But you know, the, even the Havamin of Yaakov Vinu is definitely significant, and more than that, it's not just the Havamin, the Pasik describes Shimshon as who Yisrael, he has begun the process of saving the Jewish people from our enemies. Mashiach, Shimshon was not just the first person to potentially be Mashiach, he begins that Mahalach. Menoyach is the father of Shimshon Agibar. Okay, so he must be a, a special person. So Chazal say, Rav Nachman said, Menoyach Amaretz. The Menoyach was an Amaretz. He was an ignoramus. Why? It says in Pesach, It says that uh, when the Malach appeared to Menoyach's wife and and the whole mice that went on over there, that the Malach came and told them that they're going to have a son Shimshon and how to raise him. So it says that to go to see the Malach, the Menoyach went after his wife. In other words, it sounds like the wife went first and Menoyach followed. And it says Menachman, that means he's in Amaretz because the basic halach of Tznias is that you don't walk behind a, a woman. Even if it's your own wife, you have to walk in front because it's, otherwise it's not Tznias to walk behind a woman. The fact that Menoyach is walking behind her, it's, uh, it means that he's in Amaretz. Now the truth is in the Gemara, the Gemara then goes on to say that other Marayim disagreed with Rabbi Nachman. And they say that, what do you mean, that this is not a proof that he's in Amaretz. We have other, other places in Tanakh where that, though that, that description is to go after a woman doesn't mean physically that you're walking behind the woman. It means that he followed her advice. And the Gemara brings cases like this in Tanakh, where by big tzaddikim, people that we know were not amiyaretz, and it says such a lushan of that they went achrei haisha, they went after a woman, and it means they went after her advice. So who says to say over here? It means that he literally went after his wife. Maybe it means that he followed her advice. She was the one that had the malach's appearance to her first. So Manoach is following her lead. How does Reb Nachman know that it means literally? So the Gemara sort of just ends off with that statement, which is that Rav Nachman's logic seems to be flawed. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to have any, uh, doesn't seem to be so iron, ironclad that, uh, that the Pasuk means literally. But to this we have a teaching from Narizal. Narizal in, in, in Shara Mitzvahs, in Parshas Ekev, that's where he talks about all the kavanas and all the tikkunim, the big avoidas that's taking place when it comes to food, eating. Ka- kosher food, non-kosher food, shechting an animal, everything that's negeya to eating, that's, that's where the Rizal talks about it. And the Rizal says like this, again, well, Bez Hashem very soon will explain what this means a little bit, but the Rizal said like this, he said that when it comes to eating, there's, we know that there's very complicated kavanas by the Mekubalim when it comes to eating food, very complicated. There's kavanas for everything, for davening, for every mitzvah, but the kavanas for eating are particularly difficult, particularly complicated. And in the Rizal, over there in Shara Mitzvahs, in Parshas Ekev, the Rizal explains that there are two categories of kavanas when it comes to eating. 
that the tzaddikim have kavanin whenever they're eating anything. Uh, it doesn't have to be a suddhis mitzvah, any, any food that they put into their mouths or any water that they drink and so on. There's two categories of kavanas. There's what's called kavanas avraham, and there's what's called kavanas menoyach. Kavanas avraham, again, we're not going to go into detail what that is, or we'll, we'll, as Hashem soon will explain in general what this is about, but kavanas avraham are certain kavanas, meditations uh, re- revolving around divine names and different permutations of, of Shemus Akhtoshim that all revolve around the gematria of the name Avram. It's all connected with the word Avram, with the name Avram, Kavanas Avram. And the same thing with Kavanas Menoyach, there's another category of Kavanas that are revolving around certain gematrias and so on, related to the word Menoyach. Now, the Rizal explains that the Kavanas Avram are on a much higher level than Kavanas Menoyach. Kavanas Menoyach are unbelievably deep and, and, and amazing, but Kavanas Avram are higher. So the Rizal says like this, this is the secret of what Rav Nachman is trying to say, that Menoyach Amaretz What does it mean he was an Amaretz? So the Lashon of the Rizal is like this, Menoyach as it's named after him, Menoyach was, was, whenever he ate, it was always with the Kavanas of Kavanas Menoyach, as his name, he's the, it's named after him. But But because there's much higher Kavanas of Avram, and the Kavanas Menoyach, as great as they are, they're not on the highest level of Kavanas Avram. Therefore, Chazal say that Menoyach was an Amaretz. Why? Because a real Chacham has Kavanas Avram. But someone that only has Kavanas Menoyach, it's already it, where he should be holding, he's called an Amaretz. And this is why when Menoyach offers a meal to the Malach, for the Malach to stay and have a meal with him. The Malach says, Even if you force me to stay, which sounds like Menoyach could have forced the Malach to stay, which is not an easy thing to do. But the Malach says, even if you force me to stay, I'm not going to eat of your food. Why? Says the Rizal, Because the Kavanas that you had in preparing the food, Kavanas Menoyach, are not good enough for a Malach. I, says the Malach, I need Kavanas Avram. But by Taka Avram, when the Malachim come to visit Avram, they eat from his food. Why? Because Avram, when he prepared food, it was with Kavanas Avram, not just Kavanas Menoyach. And that's the Oymik of what Rav Nachman is trying to say. Menoyach Amaretz means that he was an Amaretz compared to the Madrega that he should have reached. And we see from this Arizal that the term Amaretz is relative. That a person, whatever he, what uh, level that he should be holding, if he's not holding by that place, he's called an Amaretz. And so Menoyach, who should have been holding by the Madrega of Avram, of Kavanas Avram, but he was only holding by Kavanas Menoyach, he's called an Amaretz. That's the reason. Okay. But the problem that we're remaining with is that how does that fit with what Rav Nachman says, Kipshuta, the simple words of Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman said Menoyach is an Amaretz. Why? Because it says that he followed his wife. So the Rizal saying that he was an Amaris because of other much more mystical things, that he only had Kavanas Menoich and not Kavanas Avram. That's very nice, it's amazing. But how does that fit with the Remez that Rav Nachman said with, this, with what he said, which is that he was an Amaris because he followed his, followed his wife. What is following a wife, walking behind a woman, why is that the way of describing someone that only has Kavanas Menoich and not Kavanas Avram? Right? That's what the Rizal is doing over here. He's bringing these two He's bringing that Maimar Chazal and explaining it in Pneumius, that somehow only having Kavanas Menoyach equals walking behind a woman. Like what, what shaykhs, what does one have to do with the other? 
Okay, so Bezer we're going to get back to this. Let's investigate again for a few minutes a sugi and halacha when it comes to eating kosher food, not kosher food. And, uh, and from there, like, you know, like I mentioned many times, halacha is a body. And the nisham of Torah is speaking to us through that body. So let's investigate the body for a second, and then we'll see, uh, we'll see what the nisham is telling us, Bezer Hashem. Okay, so it's like this. In Parshish Shmini, that's where the Torah talks about all the halachas of all the simanim, all the signs of a kosher animal, of a kosher fish, the traditions of a kosher bird, uh, kosher grasshoppers, and so on, all the simanim of animals which are kosher and animals that are not kosher. And every single category, whether it be by animals and fish and birds and insects, every single one of them, there's a loisase. The Torah says, don't eat you know, animals that don't have these, the, the signs of, uh, of a kosher animal. Don't eat non-kosher fish. Don't eat non-kosher birds. Don't eat non-kosher insects. There's always a loisase for each one. And in fact, the Rambam and Sefer Mitzvahs lists each one of those loisases as a separate prohibition. So there's a prohibition of eating non-kosher animals. There's a prohibition to, eat, to you know, eating non-kosher birds and fish and so on. Each one is a loisase. The Chiddush, however, is like this. That's Pasha. That's clear. The Chiddush is that the Rambam also in Sefer Mitzvahs, in the category of assays, of positive mitzvahs, the Rambam also lists an assay of eating kosher animals, an assay of eating kosher fish, an assay, a positive mitzvah of eating kosher birds, a positive mitzvah of eating kosher insects. That's the Rambam says. So he lists off a lice assay in eating non-kosher food and an assay of eating kosher food. That's the Rambam. The problem that the Rishonim deal with, however, is that what exactly does the Rambam mean by making a mitzvah in eating kosher animals, in eating kosher fish, and eating kosher birds? Everyone agrees, and this is Pashat, everyone agrees, the Rambam himself is sure, there's no obligation, there's no mitzvah to go out of your way to eat kosher meat. There's no mitzvah to eat kosher fish. If a person is a, is a vegetarian and all they're eating is vegetables, gesundheit, they're not, they're not, they're not uh, being mavatal a mitzvah. So that's for sure. There's no you make a bracha before you eat, a birch sanen and shakal nevarimazinus, whatever it is, but you don't make a bracha sherki chanabim sivanu to eat kosher to eat kosher meat. That, that there's no such thing. So clearly when the Ramam says that there's a mitzvah say to eat kosher meat, or a mitzvah say to eat uh, kosher fish, it doesn't mean like there's a mitzvah say to put on tefillin, that we have to go out of our way to eat kosher fish and kosher and kosher birds. So what does the Ramam mean when he's counting these assays? So the Ramban in his commentary to the Sefer Mitzvahs, raises the issue. And he says, in his mind, the only thing left to say in the sheet of the Rambam is that, again, it doesn't mean that there's a positive mitzvah like tzitzit and tefillin or, you know, to go out of your way to eat these things. So, what, so what's left? So what does the Rambam mean? Says the Rambam, what the, what the Rambam must mean is that this is what's called a lava ba That this is a really, it's a repetition of the prohibition of eating non-kosher food just the Torah is saying it in a roundabout way. The Torah is basically saying, only eat kosher meat. In other words, don't eat non-kosher meat. It's a lava ba say. We have such things like that. So, for example, the Torah says, uh, you know, someone that's a, uh, a convert from the, the, from the nation of Edom. So it says, after three generations, they can marry into the fold. In other words, that, that, that's, the Torah, what the Torah means by that is, after three generations, they can marry, and not prior to three generations. So, same thing over here. The Torah says, eat kosher meat. It doesn't mean to actually you have to go out of your way to eat it, but it means only eat kosher meat and not non kosher meat. So, in other words, this is basically just another way of the Torah telling us 
that there's a prohibition in eating non-kosher food. It says, Eloisa say straight up, don't eat non-kosher meat. And it says, in a roundabout way, only eat kosher meat, which basically means don't eat non-kosher meat. That's how the Ramban interprets the Rambam. And because of that, the Ramban has a big kash on the Rambam. He says, if at the end of the day, these mitzvahs are telling us nothing more than we already knew from the prohibitions that you already listed, then why are you listing these essays as separate mitzvahs? Every mitzvah that you list has to tell us something that we wouldn't otherwise know. So if we already have a lice assay which says, don't eat non-kosher meat, and the assay of eating kosher meat is telling us nothing more than the, the, than, than the lava bamechlala say that, okay, eat kosher meat, in other words, don't eat non-kosher meat, then you basically, the Torah is just repeating itself. And the Torah does repeat itself many times t- for emphasis. The Torah says uh, keep, to keep Shabbos many times. But we only count it as one, as one prohibition because it's not telling us anything new with every single time. So same thing over here. Why would the Rambam count every assay if we already had a Veloise assay? And the positive is really just nothing more than the negative just be, you know, being, being, uh, being recorded in a, in a positive form. Eat kosher meat. In other words, don't eat non-kosher meat. So that's why the, therefore the Rambam disagrees with the Rambam. It says these misses should not be counted. Okay. So what's Pshan the Rambam? It says in a, there's a, a chiddush from the chinuch. Okay, this is this is what we're gonna we're gonna see. The chinuch says that the Rambam does not mean that does not uh, the Rambam sees something new from these essays. It's not true, says the chinuch, that there is no mitzvah to go out of your way to find kosher meat to eat. That's not that's not what it is. But what these assays come to tell us that we would not otherwise know is as follows. Is that besides the prohibition of eating non-kosher meat, there's also a mitzvah that before you put food in your mouth to clarify and to absolutely know that this food is kosher. In the language of the Chinuch, Shnitz Tavinu, we are commanded, Livdaik Simone Behema Vachaya, Kishanir Tzalachalais. It means that we are commanded to go out of our way to know with an absolute clarity and certainty before we eat something that it's in fact kosher food. This is, now, in other words, in other words, I'll give an example. Let's say you have a piece of meat in front of you and you're not sure if it's kosher or not. You're not sure if it's kosher or not. So, it's, it's a risk. It's definitely a risk to put that in your mouth. But let's say the person wants to take that risk. So he crosses his fingers, you know, and, and he puts the food in his mouth, hoping, hoping uh, that, God willing, it's, kosher, it's, it's taka kosher. And then someone comes afterwards and says, you know what, you should know, that, f- that meat that you just put in your mouth, it was kosher food. It was kosher food. So the person now sits back, wipes some sweat off his brow, Baruch Hashem, he's happy, he's in the clear, he ate kosher meat. Says the chinuch, he did not violate the prohibition because at the end of the day, he ate kosher meat. He did not eat chazer. It wasn't chazer. It was cow. It was fine. But the mitzvah say he, he, he violated. Why? Because even though it turns out at the end that he ate kosher meat, but at the time that he ate it, he did not have the idea. He didn't know it was kosher. And that's what that say is coming to reinforce, is that it's not enough to make sure that at the end of the day, you did not consume non-kosher flesh, that you didn't have shrimp that you didn't eat chazer. You have to know, there's a mitzvah going, telling you prior to eating that you have to know that it's kosher. And even if it turns out to be kosher, if you didn't know it, it meant that you violated the assay. 
More than this, the Rivash in Shuvis from the Rishinim in Simakuf Tzadi Beis in Shuvis takes this to the ne- next next step. Says the Rivash, not only are you in violation of the say if you ate meat and at the time you simply didn't know it was kosher, you were just hoping that it turned out to be kosher. Says the Rivash as follows. Eve, eat, let's say you have a, a type of uh, bird. That, the example that he's giving in his tshuva is, let's say you have a certain type of bird, and you're not sure whether this is a kosher species or not. So you're not sure. So we generally, you know, we have a luck, we have a ruling, uh, a way to guide us, which is called roiv. You go based on the majority. So in the Rivash's case over there, he's dealing with, again, a certain type of bird, which is unclear whether it's a kosher species. But roiv, majority, uh, whatever the situation is, roiv dictates that it's overwhelmingly likely to be a kosher species. Now usually, roiv decides. You go based on roiv, and, and, that, and that's, we live our lives based on the majority. But says the Rivash, therefore, this Roiv would be good enough, says the Rivash, if all you had was a license. If all there was was a puzzle that says don't eat non-kosher birds, so fine. So that's like anything else in Tyra. Whenever you have a doubt, you go with Roiv. But says the Rivash, but in this case, Kivan But now that we have the Rambam, based on the interpretation of the Chinuch, that it's not that not only is there a license making sure you don't end up ingesting non-kosher bird. Which in this, which in that, which in that case, majority you can rely on the, the rule of roiv. But says the Rivash, since the Rambam says that there's a separate assay which says that before food goes into your mouth, you have to have absolute knowledge and certainty that that what that the food that you're that you're eating is kosher. Then even roiv is not good enough for that because even roiv doesn't mean that you're absolutely certain. Roiv means that it's most likely kosher, enough that you can rely on, but with absolute idea, absolute certainty, that you don't have. Says the Rivash, since the Torah commanded us that you have to know going in that this is kosher meat, like the Ramam writes, Therefore you can't even rely on roiv. You have to, every single, every single bird species that comes your way, you have to know with certainty that it's a kosher species. And you can't just rely on the regular rules, because that's the Chiddush of the Asay. The truth is, this is all hinted to in the Rambam himself, because in the in the Rambam we, we in in um, in, the, in the Hilchas Machol Sasuras in the halachas of eating kosher meat and not eating uh, of kosher food and you know the halachas of kashras, the Rambam over there references the positive mitzvahs that he listed in Sefer Mitzvahs. But this is how the Rambam puts it: Mitzvah says, "Say lay the hasimonim." Says the Rambam, "There's a mitzvah to know prior to eating." What the simon, what the simonim are, shemavdilan ben ben chayev ben behemah chayev oif adagim chagavim shemutel laichlam to know with certainty before you eat something that it's of the category of kosher meat and kosher food. Shenamar and what's the pasuk that he quotes from? There's a pasuk at the end of Parsha Shmini which says lahavdil ben atom ben ator ben chayan achels ben chayish laisleichel that there's a mitzvah to know the distinction between kosher food and non-kosher food. Now that doesn't mean that there is just a mitzvah to know the halachas of kashras. It means that before you eat something, there's a mitzvah of the hivdaltem, of to separate and to know with certainty what category this food is in front of you. Is it on this side of the, of the, of the fence of kosher, or is it on this side of the fence of non-kosher? The hivdaltem. And so therefore there's two things. There's the lysase, which tells you that you can't eat non-kosher meat, but comes that say and says, no, 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 but besides that, you have to know mitchila that it's kosher meat, with an absolute certainty. And you can't uh, just rely on a 50-50 shot, and you can't even rely on roiv. That's like the Rivash said, you have to know with absolute certainty. That's the Chedesh of the Rambam. 
Now one last Nekud, and then we'll be able to see the Panemias come from this, hopefully with Hashem. There's a Kasha from the Avdei Nezer. So Avdei Nezer talks about this also in the first Shuv in Yeridea. Avnei raises the following question. Now, a little bit of background to the question itself. We know there's a mitzvah in the Torah that's called Kisig Hadam. When a person shechs a kosher animal with a proper shechita, so there's a mitzvah to cover the blood of the animal that's spilled. There's a whole bracha that you make. There's a mitzvah of Kisig Hadam. It's a chiv. Now the halacha is that if a person shechs an animal, but the shechita ended up being no good, there's some issue with the shechita. It wasn't done properly. It's what's called in halacha, shechita she'ena ru'uya. It's a shechita that was not able to lead to making the animal kosher. It, it didn't work. It, it, it was not a kosher shechita. The halacha is that such an animal does not need kisi adam. Kisi adam is only necessary for a kosher animal that was shechted with a proper shechita. But a kosher animal that was killed with an improper shechita, that does not need kisi adam. Now, Okay, the halacha is though, we find this throughout Shulchan Aruch very often, that in situations of where let's say a shechita takes place, and you're not sure whether it was a kosher shechita or not, it's a suffolk. It's a suffolk, uh, whatever the situation might be, there's complicated halachas with the shechita. Something went wrong, you're not sure if it's a kosher shechita or not. So the Shulchan Aruch very often tells us in such a case that what do you do? You have to be machmer and cover the blood, because it might be a kosher shechita. And so if it was a kosher shechita, then you have to cover the blood. You're not sure if it was a kosher shechita, so you have to be machmer and to cover the blood. That's the halacha. Asks the Nezer, I don't understand. Once we have this chiddush of the Rambam, that there's an assay that says that even that, and that you're not allowed to eat anything, even if it's technically a kosher food, and it turns out to be a kosher species, but you have to know before the food goes into your mouth that it's for sure kosher, and until you know with absolute certainty that it's kosher, it's not kosher. So ask the Avinezer, if you're not sure if this shechita is a good shechita, that means it's for sure not a good shechita. Right? Because the only way you're going to be allowed to eat something is if you know for sure it's kosher. But if you're not sure it's kosher, then guess what? For all practical purposes, it's not kosher. So ask the Avinezer, why is it that when you have a, a shechita that you're not sure whether it was good or not? The Allah is you have to be machmer and cover the blood just in case it ended up, it taka was a good shechita. If you're not sure whether it was a good shechita or not, then the animal's treif because you're not allowed to eat it because of the mitzvah say that you have to know with certainty that it's kosher. If you're not sure it's kosher, it means it's not kosher. And so why, so then that means that, it's, that it was for sure not a good shechita. And if it's for sure not a good shechita, then you don't have to cover the blood. So why by a suffix shechita do you have to cover the blood at all? If it's a suffix, whether it's shechted or not. So if it was just a lice essay, fine, it's still a suffix. It, it is still 50-50 chance. Maybe it's taka kosher. But once we have that say that says, no, 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 50-50 is not good enough. You have to know with absolute certainty that it's kosher. And until you know with 100% certainty, it's, you have to treat it like it's not kosher. So that means it's not kosher. So why do I have to cover the blood at all? That's the kasha of the nazar. Answers Avdei Nezer, and this is the fundamental Nakuda. Says Avdei Nezer, the fu- the, the, there's two separate discussions over here. There is a discussion you have to have about the, about the food itself. Is it kosher or not? And then there's another discussion of whether you're allowed to eat it or not. Says Avdei Nezer, this mitzvah say that the Rambam is revealing to us which tells us that before food goes into your mouth, you have to know with certainty that it's kosher food, that does not define whether it's kosher or not. Whether it's kosher or not is something that's completely objective. Is this chazer 
or is it cow? Was it shechted properly? Was it not shechted properly? That's an objective truth that's unrelated to whether you know it or not. The food that if, let's go back to the first case, right? The guy has a piece of meat. He's not sure if it's cow or chazer. And he takes the risk and he eats it. So, says the Avinezer, he ate kosher food. The fact that he didn't know it was kosher does not make it not kosher. It was still kosher food. And that's why the loisa say, the loisa say is fundamentally, it's a din, like in, in, in the yeshiva terms we would say, it's a din in the chefza. The, this object, whether this object is kosher or not, that's what the loisa say is talking about. The loisa say which says, don't eat non-kosher meat, it, that's, a, that's an objective truth. Is this kosher meat or not? Is it chaz or is it cow? Was it shechted properly? Was it not shechted properly? That's a question of whether this food is kosher or not. And that has nothing to do with, with, with your knowledge or lack thereof. If you eat the food and it turns out being a, 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 a piece of cow which was shechted properly, then you did not eat treif. But besides the, the, the question of whether the food is kosher, there's another mitzvah on the gavra. There's a separate mitzvah on the person. We have many mitzvahs on ourselves. We have mitzvahs to put on tzitzis, to put on tefillin, to put a mezuzah on our home. And there's a mitzvah on us to make sure that food that enters our body, we know for sure was kosher food. But, even we, but, but that's, that's a separate mitzvah on the gavra, on the person. That's not a, de, a determining factor in whether or not the food is kosher. So when that person puts the piece of meat in his mouth and he's not sure it's kosher or not, and it ends up being it was, it was kosher food, he did not eat treif, but he violated a, a mitzvah. No different than a person that violates other mitzvahs. A person doesn't put on tefillin, he's, he, he's not fulfilling a mitzvah. So this guy is not fulfilling a mitzvah by not knowing for sure that it's kosher meat that he's eating. But it's two separate things. There's a din in the chefzah, there's a din in the food, is this kosher or not? And that's completely objective. And then, you, uh, and then you have a din in the person, that in order to allow you to eat food, you have to know with a certain yidi, with an absolute knowledge, that it's kosher food. And if you violate that, it doesn't mean the food isn't kosher, it just means that you violated a mitzvah. So says Avnezer, and therefore in a case of where you're not sure whether the shechita is kosher or not, that doesn't change the reality of whether the shechita is kosher or not. The shechita might be a kosher shechita. The halach of kisar yadam, of covering the blood, is not dependent on your particular mitzvah of knowing whether something is kosher or not. The halach of kisar yadam depends on one thing, one thing only. Was this a kosher shechita? Is this kosher meat? And that's objective. That has nothing to do with your knowledge or not. That could very well be true. It could be the shechita was good, and it could be it's kosher meat, and because of that it requires kisar yadam. You have to cover the blood. That, and now you have a separate discussion. Are you allowed to eat that food? Okay, that's something else. That's a mitzvah on you. You have to know for sure that it's kosher or not. And if you don't know for sure, you're not allowed to eat it. But it doesn't make the food not kosher. What comes out of all of this, with the Avinezer especially, is that what we see from the Rambam is this amazing reality, which is that there's two separate sides. When we talk about kashras, there's two separate sides of the discussion. There is the Indian mitzah, the food, mitzah, the object. Is this kosher or not? And the only and that's that and that's where the loisases are really talking about the loisases the negative mitzvahs of don't eat non-kosher food. It's really revolving around the, the, is this object an object that's kosher or not? And then there's another category, there's another side of the discussion, which is on the person. There's a mitzvah say on the person that you have an obligation to only eat kosher, only eat food that you know for sure is kosher. These are the two the two sides of the discussion. And we have to understand, what's the pnimis of this? What does this tell us about the whole Indian of eating food, b'chlal? 
there are these two sides to the Indian. There's, the, there's whether the food is kosher, and then there's another Indian that the person has to have the idea, an absolute knowledge that the food is kosher. And only when these two things come together are you allowed, practically allowed to eat. What does this tell us in Pinimis? So I mentioned before the Kavanas of Avram and Kavanas Menoyach. So let me, let me share with you a little bit what that means, what, the, what at least what they're about. Let's go with Kavanas Menoyach first. Kavanas Menoyach, as Arizal says, is a lower madrega. What's Kavanas Menoyach about? Kavanas Menoyach is all about the following Nakuda, which is the Rabbanishal made the world in such a way where everything needs fixing. Things are broken. Things are mamish broken. You know, Hashem created the world, it says in Pasuk, that the world was mamish in a state of chaos. Everything was in a million pieces. And the Rabbanu Shalom, in that chaos, said, let there be light, and things started to get rectified, and things started to uh, become, uh, to come to harmony. So we read that, and we think, okay, fine, so Baruch Hashem, the chaos is over, finished, right? It was, it was chaos for a little bit, and then Hashem turned the lights on, everything's good. That's not really the truth. Hashem, it's true that by the six days of creation, Hashem, you know, in, brought enough harmony to the chaos for there to be a world. But that chaos that existed from the beginning still exists to this day. Every single one of us is walking chaos. A person comes to the world, their midas are all over the place. Their midas are all over the place. The person has a tendency to go this way, and his anger will take him over here, and his humility will take him to a farthest extreme that's also unhealthy. His midas are all in chaos, all in turmoil. The whole world is disjointed. What does it mean, chaos? It means things are being pulled in a million directions. Right? Everything's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no direction to a person's life. Without, without Torah, right, then what happens to a person? They're, they're, they're rudderless. They're, 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 they're captainless. There's no, there's no direction. All their midas are being pulled in a million places, in a million directions. And the job of a Jew is what? A major part of a Jewish person's job is what? Is to bring tikkun to that toyu, to bring, to bring harmony and to bring order to that chaos. What does that mean? It means to take things which are disjointed, take things which are all over the place, take things which are very, very low, and raise them up to a place where they have direction, where they have a goal, where they're being focused in the right place. So a person has a nature of jealousy, and a nature of anger, and a nature of humility, and a nature of love, and a nature of fear. And all these things are, are in a state of chaos because they'll bring you to all sorts of even contradictory experiences. So what's the job of a Jew? To sum it up in one word, it's called the avoid of birur, of clarification, of sifting, of being able to take a midah that you have and say, you know what, okay, there's, some, there's, there's good in this and there's bad in this. And I'm going to reject the bad and harness the good. That's what a person's avoid is. The Leshem tells us in a number of places, but in particular in Sefer Adeya and in, in Josh Gimel, in, uh, in Parak Yurches. So over there the Leshem tells us, that there's two madregas, when we talk about eating, when we talk about achil and shesia, what it means in Avodah Hashem is on two levels. There's one aspect of eating which corresponds to this Avodah, which is called Avodah of Birurim, of sifting, of clarifying, of taking something which is wild and crazy and full of good and bad, and going through the process of sifting, of getting rid of the bad, and harnessing the good and giving direction. This, says the Leshem, is the practical process of eating. What, what happens when a person eats? You're taking an animal, or you're taking a plant, 
right? Taking a fish, a bird, whatever it is, which which by itself is it, without direction. The animal is just wandering the fields. It has no tachlis. There's no purpose to it. It itself is a mixture of good energy and negative energy. And what happens when you eat? You take the food, you consume it, and what does your body physically do? What your body physically does is that it goes through the process of birr. It clarifies what it just ingested, and it goes through the process of figuring out what part of this is workable, what part of this can be raised up to a, a higher level of purpose, and what part of the food has to be rejected as useless. And then what happens is you take the piece of meat, which right by itself is full of, first of all, it has no focus, it has no purpose, and it's full of good and bad. Your body ingests it. It rejects the, un, the, 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 the purposelessness aspect of it, the refuse, the garbage it gets rid of. And now the good is turned into energy. And now the energy you can use to do a mitzvah and you can have purpose and direction. And basically what food, what eating does is that it takes all the things that you've eaten and all the things that those things ate, the v'chulu, v'chulu, all the down the line, all the way back to the beginning of time, and you are clarifying that Indian and giving direction to it. That's the Avayda of Birur. This is all the Kavanas of Menoyach. That's Kavanas Menoyach. All the Kavanas of Menoyach are revolving around this Nakuda, which is Birurim, sifting. Taking something that's in disarray, something that's in chaos, and trying to bring harmony to it. That's reflective in eating, and that's the avoid that we do with Tikkun Amidas, the avoid that we do with dealing with our Yetzirah. Our Yetzirah throws us a temptation which might take us off the path and might take us into that place of chaos, and we have to clarify those thoughts. First of all, is it Yetzirah Taiv? Is it Yetzirah? And then once we define what it is, to then harness that in a productive way and disregard the negative influence of that particular temptation. It's all avoidas birurim, and that's, that's the kavanas menayach. That's kavanas menayach. But says Eleshem, there's a higher level of achila. And he doesn't talk about this in particular, but this is kavanas avram. It's a higher level of achila, which is, Eleshem <clears throat> says, you know, when Mashiach comes, there's a, again, whatever this means, it's, you know, uh, to us it's like a foreign idea, but Chazal talk about this, that when Sheikh comes, there's going to be a suda of the Leviyasan. It's going to be a big suda, A big suda. If achila, if eating is all about fixing chaos, then what's the musig, what's the concept of having a suda after Mashiach comes? All the chaos will be fixed already. So says the Leshem, there's a separate madrega of achila, and that is, like the Pasuk says, Ichlu reim shesu v'shikru Eat and drink, friends and lovers. The meaning of that is, is that there are, two, there are two times when a person eats. Number one, like we've been talking about in Birurim, a person needs the energy, so, you take the, so you're lacking energy, so you need to eat something to take the energy and to, and to absorb the energy, and that's the avoid of Birurim. So you have to sift through this piece of meat and get out the good energy and then use the energy for productive means. That's Birurim. But there's another reason why a person eats, and that's what? That's in order to have a relationship with another person. When a person loves someone, you care for someone, so you sit down and you break bread together. There's such an Indian of eating where the eating is just an expression of his karvas. It's, it's, it's a, an expression of attachment between one person and the other. To such a degree that we have halachas in place that we're not allowed to eat certain foods that are made by a non-Jew in order not to create a bond between us and the non-Jew. Right? We have uh, Pasakum and, 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 and Bishalakum and Cholavakum. Uh, 
there's different halachas about it, but a lot of it is about chasnas, about making sure that the food does not turn into chasnas, into literally marrying into the non-Jewish person's family. So you see that food is not just connected to the avoid of birur, of fixing chaos, of, of, of giving direction to things that are disjointed and bringing harmony, but it's also about his, about tveikus, about attachment, about yichud, about, about becoming, using the food as a way of expressing absolute tveikus with your creator. This is the secret of Suda Slaviyasa. The Suda that when Mashiach comes, that's going to be a Suda as a celebration of our tveikus, of our skarvis, of our oneness with our bayre, not embodying our avoida of birum, of fixing, but rather it's going to be the embodiment of the reward of all that avayda. It's going to be the embodiment of the devekas and the union that we're going to experience with the Ein Saif, with the Infinite One Himself, as a result of all of our avayda in this world of Beirurim. These are the two achilas that we have. And this is Kavanas Avram, whereas Kavanas Benoich is all about the process of fixing, of clarifying, which is a golas dika, dika avayda, it's a golas dika achila, the Kavanas Avram are all about something much higher. The Kavanas Avram are all about making a connection and expressing a sense of unity between us and our Creator, a sense of Dvekas. That's Kavanas Avram. This is related to, by the way, to, we, we find this in many places of where Achila is associated with this Indian of Dvekas as opposed to it being associated purely with Avoid of Birur. So, for example, on Shabbos, there's a myth of having three Sudas a day. On Shabbos, what well, the meaning of of Suda Shabbos, Sudas Mitzvah, Sudas Yontif. The Sudas over there are not purely a way of of, of fixing, of, of clarifying. Adraba, Boyer is us on Shabbos. So what's the Suda of Shabbos about? The Suda of Shabbos is a, is a reflection of Sudas Luyasan. It's a reflection of eating in a way that's an expression of Hiskarvas, of Dvekas. These two inyonim of Achila. So there's an Achila of, the, in other words, Let's put it in a, in a, in a different picture. The, the experience of Geula, what's, what are we going to be doing with Mashiach? Like, what exactly, what, what exactly is the schedule like? When Mashiach comes, it's going to be, the Jewish people are going to be able to experience Yichud, a oneness with the with the Banish Loilam. Chazal, the Pasik even describes Kiyavalach Bachur Basula, that just as a Chasin and Kala are one with each other, so too when the Mashiach comes, when Gula takes place, the Rabbanish Lam the Chasin and the Jewish people, the Kala, will be will be will be one together. There's going to be an unbelievable yichud. That yichud of Chasin and Kala, that yichud of Chasin and Kala, that's the time of Gula. And then there's an avoid of Golas. Just like when a person gets married, right? So there's two sides to that relationship. There's, on the one hand, there's the yichud of chasen and kala, which is really the tachlis. But then there's other things that need to be in place to facilitate that yichud. There's, there's chiyuvim that the chasen has to the kala, the kala has to the chasen. The house has to be in order. The laundry has to be done. The, the money has to be supplied. There has to be finances in order. The, 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 the system has to be in place. There has to be harmony. There has to be... There has to be a biror. There, there can't be chaos in the home. A yichud is not possible in a matzav of fighting, in a matzav of, of, of chaos, of, of, of confusion. There, there are these two sides of, of life as a chasen akala. There's the biror side, and then there's the yichud side. So too it is with our relationship with our chasen. There's the yichud side, which is ultimately going to be exp- experienced in full after Mashiach comes. 
which is reflected in Sudas Leviasan and even tasted nowadays with Sudas Shabbos and Sudas Yantif and Sudas Mitzvah. And then you have what? And then you have the avoid of the chasin and kala, arranging the home and making sure that everyone is, is, is healthy and functional and everything is taken care of and it's not chaos. And that's reflective of our avoid in galas, which is avoid of birurim. And these two things build off each other. You cannot have a geula unless you've gone through the avoid of galas and you cannot have a proper avoid of galas unless you know what the tachlis is to lead to geula. So when a person gets married, it's not all yichur chasin and kala. You have to make sure the halachas of the ksuba are taken care of. The obligations on both ends are taken care of. But a marriage that's completely focused on the obligations of chasin and kala, as it says in the ksuba, but without any level of yichud, that's not shown by us either. You, the tachlis is geula, but the way to get there is through the avoid of birurim of galas. This is the two levels of Achila that the Rambam is referring to. The Rambam is Megalatas, that what? That there's two sides to Kashras. There's making sure the food is kosher. That Indian of making sure the food is kosher is what? That's reflective of Kavanas Menoyach. That's reflective of the Avoid of Beirurim. Why? Because the Torah, the Rabbanishon was Megala, that there's only, only certain foods are able to be elevated. Only certain energies only energies released from kosher food are able to be directed in a positive place. That's the meaning of kashas. Like the Tani talks about this barichas and Sefer Tanya, that the energy that you take from kosher food, that's an energy that can be used for Torah and mitzvahs. That's an energy that's it's, it's workable. It can be fixed. The chaos of that food can be br- brought to harmony. That's the determining factor in something that's kosher or not. That's all reflective of Avaidas Habirurim, of Kavanas Menoyach, the Avaid of Golas. But now, but there's something else in play, which is Yichud, the concept of Achila being reflective of what's going to be after Mashiach comes. And that's what? That's, that's food being used as a way of expressing connection. This is reflected in the other halacha, which is that you have to know what you're eating. The word das, the hivdaltem, the Torah uses to the, the, use that word das, which means to know with certainty what you're eating is kosher. The word das is always a code word for a yichud between a husband and wife. Why is this word das, this mitzvah, is embracing the word das, that you have to know, you have to have a idea in the food that you're eating as being kosher or not? The answer is because this mitzvah that's on the gavra, on the person, is reflective of what? of the achila that's coming from a higher place, the achila of Sudas Leviyasa. And these are the two aspects of what's being revealed to us by the Rambam. There's achila, which is the avoid of galus, and that's the avoid of birurim, that's whether or not that's the loisase, is the food kosher or not. And then there's something else, which is achila being seen as reflective of the result of my avoid of birurim, the ge'ul that comes after galus, and that's the, reflected in the say of knowing that the food is kosher. These are the two separate sides. I spoke about this. This is why also the 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 midst of the parsha of the parsha of uh, of Kashras and all these halachas are re, were, were given right after the sin of Nadav and Avihu, right after the sin of Nadav and Avihu, after the sin of Nadav and Avihu, and they're killed when they go into and they bring Katiris, they bring a foreign fire into the Mishkan. So because of that, they're killed, and Moshe Rabbeinu. And, and, and Aaron Akayan and his two remaining sons accept the decree of Hashem with love. And as a reward for that, the Torah says that I'm going to, that the mitzvah of Kashras should be given to us by Moshe and Aaron together. So what, what, is, what does Nadav and you have to do with this? So again, very, very quickly, because it's not, it's not for now so much, but 
according to Chazal, the root of the sin of Nadav and Aviyu started really back by Har Sinai. It says in Pasuk, by the experience of Maim and Har Sinai, that there was a revelation of God's presence, and they ate and they drank, Nadav and Aviyu, they ate and they drank in that experience of Maim and Har Sinai. And even though at the time that was an Avera, the Rebbe didn't punish them yet, but then later on when they bring the Eish Zoro, when they bring a Katyrus into the Mishkan, and, and, and you know, in the Holy of Holies, and they and they uh, they sacrifice and they burn it without asking Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron whether it's a good idea or not. So then Hashem pays them back and punishes them really for the original sin of eating and drinking by Maimon Sinai. What's this Indian of eating and drinking by Maimon Sinai? And why is it that Dafka, when they later on commit the Avera of burning uh, Katyrus in the Mishkan, that they didn't ask of Moshe Rabbeinu, now they're punished for that? What do these two things have to do with each other? And why is it that as a result of all of this, the schar for Aaron accepting what happened to his children is to give us the parsha of Kashrus? The answer is it's all this Indian. The, not, the sin of Nadav Naviu ultimately was what? It was the sin of purely wanting eating and drinking of Dvekas, of Kavanas Avram, and neglecting the process of Golas that's needed and the avoid of Birur and fixing and refining Kavanas Menoyach that leads to Kavanas Avram. And this is why by Maimed Harsina, which is just a place of absolute Gilishchina, they ate and they drank. They were fully embracing the, the Sudas Leviasan as if Mashiach already came. And this was reflected again in the mistake that they did with bringing Katars all the way lift and lift them. They were caught up in the experience of Dvekas to the point of where they did not hold themselves back to determine and to clarify whether this idea is a good idea or not. See, if they went to Moshe Rabbeinu with their idea, what would Moshe Rabbeinu say? Moshe Rabbeinu would then go through the process of Kavanas Menayach, the process of Birurim, and say, listen, it's a good idea, but there's a lot of Vinyonim here that are mixed up with not, with not good ideas. So let's sift through it and let's determine, maybe we could bring a different type of carbon, maybe let me ask Hashem, well, let's work through it. But instead of having the patience of working through it, they jumped the gun and went all the way to Kavanas Avram without Kavanas Menayach. And because of that, they were killed. And their death meant, the Rabbanu Shalom telling Aaron and Moshe, that what? That although Kavanas Avram is the ideal, that's the goal, the Tachlis is Gula, but the way to get there is through Golas. Golas leads to Gula. The Avoid of Beirurim is the way, that Achila of Kavanas Menayach is the way through one then leads the Kavanah Savram. As a result of Nadav and Aviyu's sin, which highlights this inyan of needing both, of requiring unbelievable avoid of Birurim, and only then to allow yourself to experience the avoid of Yichudim, as a result of that, we're given the parish of Kashas, which according to the Ramam contains both these sides. There's Kavanah Menayach and Kavanah Sachila. There's the food being kosher and you having knowledge that the food is kosher. These are the two sides. This is the secret of what the Arizal said, that Menoich was an Amaoretz. Why? Because it says, Now it makes perfect sense. The problem with Menoich is the opposite of Nadav Naviyu. Whereas Nadav Naviyu were fully leaning to the world of Kavanas Avram, of Yichudim, without putting enough time and focus on the process of Birurim, Menoich was the opposite. Menoich, who's the father of Shimshon Agibar, the father of Mashiach, he should have been focused more on 
Geula, on where Golis is headed, where, what the purpose of Birum is ultimately for, the Yechudim, the Yichud of Chasen and Kala, that ultimately Birurim is, is, is supposed to lead us to. But, but despite the fact that Menachem was the father of Mashiach Zekenu, and therefore he should, on his avat, he should have been focused on the Indian of Achila Vishesia, on eating and drinking, which is about Yichud Chasen and Kala. On, uh, instead of that, he was completely focused on Kavanas Menayach, on the Avoid of Birurim, on not allowing Golas to lead to Geula, on just hyper, being hyper focused on the Avoid of Golas, and being satisfied with the Avoid of Golas, and not, be, not wanting the Golas to lead to a higher Madrega of Geula. And this is hinted to what it means that he went after his wife. In order to have a yichud, a healthy yichud, a tzniyastik yichud, it has to be face to face. When we talk about Menoyach going after his wife, it means a chasarin in yichud, a chasarin in sneas, a chasarin in that place of yichud chasin and kala. This is the this is the way how Nachman, based on the Rizal, is hinting to us that Menoyach was there was something missing in his connection to Kavanas Avram, which is all about yichud chasin and kala. Him not acting with his wife in its sneastic way. And being something missing in that madrega of Yichud, Chassan, and Kala is reflective of the fact that he was eating in Kavanas Benayach and not Kavanas Avram. So let's go back to Pesach, Mamshas, to tie things all together. Pesach is a yontav, as I said, is a yontav that through Pesach we have to have the idea and understanding and awareness of what Golis is and how it leads to Geula. That's what Pesach is about. Pesach is what you have right now, there's an avoid of Golis, but for Two things. First of all, don't be satisfied with the Avayd of Golas. It has to lead to Geula. And Bayes, understand that you can't have Geula unless you properly go through the Avayd of Golas. That's why Matzah is both Lechem Oini. It's, also, it's the bread of affliction. It's a simon of our exile. And it's also a simon of our redemption. Because the redemption of Pesach flows from the exile. The Avoid of Golas itself allows us to have the experience of Geula. The Birurim that you go through, the Achil of Vishasi, the eating and the drinking, which is, which is the process of sifting, of clarifying, of fixing that's broken, which is Avoid of Golas, that is the means through which you can then experience the Sudas Leviasan of Yichur Chasen and Kala. Only when there's harmony in the home can there be a Yichur Chasen and Kala. And this is all reflected in the mitzvahs of Seder night, which is what? Which is to eat matzah and mar, but to know why you're eating it. This is, this is again, just like the two sides of kashras, like in the Rambam said, right? Which is, to, the food is being kosher, and to know the food is kosher. So to be Pesach night, there's a mitzvah of eating matzah, fine. That's re- the actual maisa achila is reflected of what? In the avoid of birurim, of sifting, the avoid of galas. But then part of that, there's a mitzvah of knowing why you're eating it. Not just to know what you're eating, but to know mamish why you're eating it. That's all reflective of achila v'shesia in terms of geula, of it being an experience and expression of yichud chasen and kala, of dveikas, of knowledge, of adam yodas chave ishtai. And these two things are becoming one by Pesach night because that's what's being revealed to us by Pesach, which is that you want geula. First of all, you should want geula. Aleph, don't be satisfied with galus. But understand that in order to get to Gula, you have to go through Gaulas. And you have to go through the Avaidus Habirurim of Gaulas in order to experience a, a, a proper Gula. Just to end off, Mamish, uh, one small Ha'ara, this is also why, possibly, this Chiddush of these two sides of Achila is revealed to Astafka by the Rambam. But the Ramban, if you remember, disagreed with this. The Ramban said, all there is is Loisaseis, all there is is the negative. There is no positive mitzvah of knowing that you're, what you're eating is kosher. I, I've mentioned this many times that the Rambam 
is rooted in the world of Mashiach ben David. This is a kabbalah that we have from the Rishner and others. That the Rambam is the name of, of, of Mashiach ben David. Mashiach ben David is a time of Menucha. Mashiach ben David is a time of Yichud. And therefore the Rambam Badafka is the one to reveal to us not to be satisfied with the Lysase of making sure this food is able to be harnessed and uplifted and their energy rectified. That's very good for Gullahs. But the Rambam, who is coming from the world of Mashiach ben David, is revealing to us that that's not the only thing that's going on over here. You need to want Gula. Don't make the mistake of Menayach of only settling for Gullahs. You need to want Gula. You have to know that there's something more at play. And the Chiddush the Rambam is you can actually taste that now. There's such a thing as having a, an Achila, even Bizman Hazah, that's reflective of the Gula a little bit. But the Ramban is coming from the world of Mashiach ben Yosef. Mashiach ben, ben Yosef is the world of Golas. Therefore, the world of Golas is hyper-focused on the world of Golas. But the Rambam is coming from the world of Gula, acknowledges the world of Golas, of course, but understands that Golas has to lead to Gula. And therefore, the Rambam introduces us to these two ideas. And that's what's going on Seder night. It's a much bigger, bigger, bigger Indian, which is that Golas, the Avaid of Golas, the Avaid of Birurim, is itself what has to lead to Gula. And those are the two sides of Achila, of Matzazu, Shonalech Moshoma, Marazesh, Shonalech Moshoma. No, so Hashem should help us that He should give us the Yadashmai to make all the Birurim that we need to go through in our lives and world around us, but always to remember, and Bez Hashem, we should be able to see it, that all the Birurim that we do and we have ultimately is there to lead to us to a much higher place of Yechudim. Be'ez Kalasadik, Mherevim, Amen.